she left the room and I started bursting out into laughter. All of us did because it was the most foreign thing that I've ever seen a doctor do to me was smack me, let alone not even my doctor. <laughs> it was another doctor that did this to me. What gets us through this crazy hockey journey is our amazing community of women. Inspired by our online network, Breaking the Ice is a platform created to connect us even more as we share our stories, our passions, our tips, tricks, do's and don'ts for all things hockey, and so much more. For hockey expats, buy hockey expats. So lace them up and tune in for a new episode every Wednesday. Hi guys, good morning. Welcome back to Breaking the Ice. I'm sitting here having some coffee right now and just really trying to soak in these slow mornings. I cannot believe it's already July. It's I feel like the summer has honestly flown by and it's just going to fly by even more now that we have a start date. So my husband and I, we are going back to Austria and we heard last week that the season is pretty much going to start at the same time, meaning we'll have to be out there probably the second week of August, depending if we have to quarantine or not when we get in. So the planner in me basically just went straight panic mode. I, you know, have so much to do and I feel like everything was kind of living in my head, right? So I'm like, oh, I have to order contacts. I need to get my dogs their shots. I need to get all this baby stuff. And I had to stop because I was driving myself crazy. My husband was like, okay, you need to like chill. (laughs) And I'm like, no, actually, I don't need to chill because this is not a normal life. Okay. So I, what helped me is I wrote everything down that I needed to do. And I'm sure I forgot things, but that's just a good place to start because I feel like when you're thinking about all these things in your head that you have to do, it can make you feel so ungrounded. It's not even funny. Like, I just felt like I could not relax. I was always forgetting something. Like, you know, when you leave your house and you feel like you forgot something, that's just how I felt like all hours of the day. (laughs) So, and then I'm sure you heard, you know, if you live in the U.S. that the U.S. is not technically like if you live in the U.S., you're not allowed to fly into the EU. And we really haven't heard a lot from the team. No one has really reached out to us in terms of like the exact date we have to be there and what we need to get into the country. And to their defense, I mean, they probably have so much going on. It's like the last thing they're thinking about. But I do feel like I am not the best at handling last minute stress well. And so I like to kind of over prepare. I don't want to run into any problems. So And I'm sure you guys are wondering the same thing. It's like, well, what do we need exactly to get over there? And I have heard, and don't quote me on this, but if you do have like a, a work visa, then you should be okay getting into the country. It's more so like, you know, Romy and Michelle can't go fly into the EU and have a party. You know what I mean? Like, it's like if you're going over there for work, then you're fine. But that makes me wonder for people that aren't married. It's like, well, what the heck do you do? Uh, It's, you know, if you've heard anything from your team, I would be interested to hear what exactly you need to get into the EU. All of that combined has just been 
quite stressful. And yeah, I feel like it's weird because we've been living kind of in Rumorville for the last three months. It's like what was going to happen. And so I am grateful that we do finally have, you know, a start date and we can now start planning and getting things ready. I also was supposed to be a bridesmaid in one of my best friend's wedding the end of September. So I was actually going to fly out later than my husband. And unfortunately, her wedding was canceled and going to be moved to 2021. So I will now be flying out with my husband. And that kind of gives me peace of mind just because I do know that he has a work visa. Hopefully, we won't run into any issues once we're once we're finally going over there. And just kind of circling back to all of us, I feel like this community is what's really getting me through this because I think, you know, when you're going through something or something's really stressful, we oftentimes feel alone. Like we just don't feel like anyone else is going through this and, you know, this is all in us and it's so stressful. But I think just being able to communicate with other people in the same shoes as you is super just kind of reassuring and calming. The other day I talked to Dana Alexic for like 30 minutes on the phone and we were just talking about like what could happen and all of that stuff. And her and her husband, they were actually supposed to go home last week to the U.S. And they've been in Austria this whole summer just to, you know, well, they got stuck there pretty much. And then to avoid everything with the coronavirus, you know, having a little boy, they stayed there and they were finally going home to see family and they can't go anymore because of what's going on and because they're worried about being able to get back into Austria. Just know (laughs) you're not alone. I think like every single hockey family, especially the girls, like I feel like the guys are so chill about it. Like Charlie's like, oh, it'll work itself out. And I'm like, oh, will it? But how do you know? But tell me more. Like I, (laughs) that's just, I think the difference between like girls and guys, but Yeah, I don't know. I'm with you, though. If you're stressed, you're not alone. I think everybody is feeling some sense of anxiety about everything. And, you know, I guess time will tell. Also, lately, I've been trying to meditate more. Uh, Meditation is not easy for me. I feel like I have a lot going on in this brain up here and it doesn't come naturally. So I have been typing in on Spotify meditation for stress or whatever you're looking for, like meditation for a calm mind, you can type in anything on Spotify and or even YouTube and different meditations will come up. You know, I got to jive with the person who's doing the meditation. Like I can't do these, you know, woo-woo voices, but you got to find one that you like and then it's actually really calming. So I do try to do that in the morning or in the evening and just trying to find like that pause in my day. And so I wanted to give you guys just a second to pause. So if you are walking or running while you're listening to this, you can also do this. And if you don't care about this, just click your little 30 second speed up. If you're sitting at home, if you're on your couch, if you're in your backyard, you can close your eyes. And if you're walking or running, just finding a soft gaze out in front of you and just take a deep breath. And I want you to pick a word that you can let go of, you want to let go of. Maybe it's like anxiety or stress or unknown or fear. Just whatever word is coming into your mind that is kind of weighing heavy on you. 
take that word and send it off. Take another breath in. And then I want you to replace that word with something that you can invite in. So a word or a phrase. So my word that I'm letting go of is stress, and I'm going to invite in calm. I think I definitely need more of that in my life right now. So just noticing what's coming into your mind and kind of letting those thoughts come in and come out and not really attaching to those emotions. Oftentimes as moms, as hockey spouses, we are go, go, go. And we don't take enough time to really pause in our day. So I just hope that this is a chance for you to slow down for a second. Take a few more breaths. And then taking that word that you selected and just letting that kind of guide you through the rest of your week, your weekend, the upcoming weeks leading up to your move back to wherever you are going in this world. And if your eyes are closed, you can open them back up. Maybe taking a few neck or head rolls. And then we're going to move into our episode. So today I have Priscilla Fratton joining me. Priscilla met her husband Matt in 2013 when he was playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And a few years ago, they decided to make the move overseas. So they went to Kazakhstan. And I feel like that is so foreign to what we typically know in North America. And so we kind of talk about what that transition was like for her going to this brand new country She did bring her six-year-old daughter over with her. So she talks a lot about how she was transitioning into a new school. And I think when you're six years old, like you are more aware of those kind of social situations as opposed to when you're a baby and a toddler. And we also talk about the struggles of going somewhere foreign and somewhere new, such as the grocery store and how frustrating that can be sometimes. So we talk about that. And then her and her husband wound up getting pregnant shortly after they arrived there. And she has some hilarious stories about just different doctor experiences. And it was very entertaining. So I hope you guys enjoy. And I hope this is a really good outlet for you this week to just decompress, have a a few good laughs. And, you know, just know you're not alone. We're all here. You can always reach out to me. I'm always on my phone, I feel like. So, Thank you for listening and choosing to spend your day with Breaking the Ice. Okay, Priscilla, thank you so much for coming on the pod today. After your text that you sent me a couple days ago about few points that we're going to be talking about. I am like literally sitting on the edge of my seat. I cannot wait to hear these stories. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited to share them, especially because some of them are um, definitely not ordinary. 
and very unique. So I thought this would be a good chance to at least uh, voice it out to a community that might have similar experiences that don't worry, I'm there with you and uh, you can always reach out to me and I'll probably have something similar if not, I've already heard it. <laughs> exactly. So I wanted to start off and backtrack a little bit and talk yeah. about how you and your husband met and where you guys have kind of played and moved around in the past. So we met in 2013. Matthew had been playing for the Leafs at that time and I was in Toronto working. Well, actually, I was a student and working as well. But we actually met when we were through a PR friend of ours. And um, he had at first was like, do you want to meet a whole bunch of hockey players? And we're at a party. And I was like, no way. <laughs> so that didn't work. <laughs> and I was on my way. And somehow we got connected later on. And we had went on the first date. Matt was really unique. He was not like any other other guys I was dating or had seen in the past. Um, and all of a sudden, we were talking about relationships, whether or not we wanted to be in one. And not with each other, just in general, we're bashing relationships, how saying how needy the other people, uh, boyfriends and girlfriends are needy, and we don't want any of that mess. Two months later, and bam, we're dating. So we did long distance. He went to LA. I was crushed, but was happy at the same time. And then he went back to the Leafs. He got re-signed when uh, the GM Norris was back in, when he was, you know, trading. And um, then, you know, we started off being more serious then. And then in 2017, we were like, is it time to go overseas? And so we did. And that's exactly what we did. And that's when we actually... Uh, went further into our relationship but otherwise from 2013 to now we had been together and uh it's been it was definitely not what we were expecting in our relationship we thought maybe we'd date each other for fun and it was going to be a good time and and now we have a baby <laughs> <laughs> and now we live in Edmonton and we're in Russia or Kazakhstan, and we were in Switzerland for a little bit. So it's definitely been different than what we expected, especially on that first date. It was very clear that we wanted none of this, and then we did all of it. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like that's usually how it works too, which is funny because you would think like that would be like an attractive thing that someone would play hockey, you know, and I think it is for some people, but like I'm the mm -hmm. same as you, and I was like, oh, you play hockey? nope <laughs> like I don't want anything yeah. to do with you like that's just like you know because I think that we also kind of stereotype a little bit in a sense mm -hmm. and so yeah. I feel like and most of my friends that I've talked to in this lifestyle were the same exact way like it was just kind of a red flag oh it was a huge red flag and we I worked in media in Toronto so I had met some athletes in my time right like just passing by them or some of my girlfriends would date them and you know some of them had bad reputations and some of them had really good reputations but you didn't hear about the good reputations you know what I mean like you didn't mm -hmm. hear about all of the good stories you just heard about the bad stories so um Matt's profession wasn't ideal you know what I mean at that time it was definitely more of a turnoff so he was great. He was hilarious. Uh, he made me laugh so much on that first date. Uh, it felt very natural for both of us. 
So, I mean, he smelt his food at one point, and I've never seen anyone smell a decorative <laughs> part of their plate. <laughs> so that kind of intrigued me. Smelling his food, if and he wants to know if he can eat this, so like, <laughs> it was very different. Then yeah. I put lip gloss on at one point, and he, I came out and sat down, and then he asked me if I put some shiny stuff on my lips. <laughs> like it was, uh, it was really different. You're like, <laughs> have you have Max. you met a girl before? <laughs> you know what I mean? Know? Like, have you taken out a girl before? <laughs> and I didn't drink red wine at this time at all like I was purely a white you know drinking kind of girl and he had ordered a bottle of red and I was like I don't want to be rude on this date and I was like okay okay I guess and the whole time I was sipping and I was like oh my god I can't I don't even know if this is good if this is the way it's supposed to taste you know what I mean like my lips are staining I'm like what is happening to my teeth anyways (laughs) <laughs> it turned out to be a good night regardless, but it was just all those little things that happened that night. And I didn't realize it was an official date either until, you know, my gar- oh, girlfriend was like, oh, you're, you're finally meeting him. I was like, yeah, we're just going to go out for a couple drinks. And he's like, well, you know, that's a date. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not a date. He's like, no, no, that's a date. Denial. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I have to shave my legs and I wasn't <laughs> planning to shave my legs that night oh my and goodness just a little stubbly you know just a little and I didn't want to have like hairy legs on this day because what if he notices it right like what if you get into some bad lighting and you see this hair so I had to shave my legs and they were like a little bit red so <laughs> I was like oh my god no this is awful we're going into this date my legs are red I hope he doesn't notice it we go and park his car and it's bright in the garage like it's so bright I'm like oh my god I'm just trying to hold my jacket to cover my legs and this is how our date started it was pretty unique it was pretty good that's (laughs) hilarious well now I feel like once you're married the the whole uh leg shaving thing doesn't really matter anymore because I don't think I've shaved my legs in like three weeks Nope, and there's no shaving of any kind here. <laughs> there's just, it's all natural, babe. We're married. You know, he says the same thing too. He's growing this ugly mustache right now, and he loves it. He's so proud. He can never grow hair. So, that, like, everybody that knows him knows he has a baby face. So, he finally has hair. And he's growing <laughs> it out. And, like, I can't even blame him for not shaving it because I'm not shaving my legs. So, yeah. <laughs> and call it even. <laughs> That's what I always tell my husband during playoffs. I'm like, okay, well, if you're not going to shave your face, like, I'm not going to shave either. So it's, you know, two for two. <laughs> and it's just like, ooh, do I take that chance? Yeah. <laughs> you're in playoffs till the end. You're like, oh, yeah, sorry, that's right. <laughs> And you can't even, you don't even want to wear anything to show off your legs anyway. Oh, they're so white. They're so ugly. Oh, I'm same. i at them now. I'm like, oh, I need to shine on them. <laughs> I know. Okay. I need a spray tan real bad. <laughs> so you mentioned that you had a daughter going into your first year overseas, right? Yes. Okay. So where was she born? So Daphne is actually from a previous relationship. Um, oh, okay. And Maddie and I had started dating when she was about, oh gosh, she was young. She was, she was two. She had just turned two. I think we met maybe four months after she had just turned two. So that was also a very complex situation because Matt had been living this lifestyle of playing hockey and being on the road and being with the young guys, right? His rookie years. 
And so getting into a relationship with me was a little bit different because I had a daughter and just graduated from school. I had her, oh, I had, I was having her at the same time and I was working. So aside from putting a relationship, I couldn't put our relationship forward to the max until literally we moved in. Right. Mm -hmm. Because everything came secondary uh, because she was the primary she was the primary of everything. Like everything was revolved around her. So when we did long distance, it was really great for us in our relationship because it gave me time to be a parent, a solo parent. And also when we came together as a couple, we got to spend time with each other. And also he got to spend time with her in the off season. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was, our relationship is very unique and it might not work for a lot of people. And it definitely had a lot of challenges. <clears throat> especially because of, you know, not, it's not your child, but it's the person you love's child. So you love that child as well. We went into the season kind of nervous going to Kazakhstan because we're moving her from everybody in Canada and going into a school where she doesn't know anybody, but it's all foreigners. So Kazakhstan gave us that. That was a huge blessing because if we went to a Russian team or a team that was so far out with only a few handful of, you know, expats, um, it would have been much harder for her transition for sure. So we were really fortunate. So, and for those listening, before we were having a little conversation, I thought, and first of all, I am so bad at pronouncing things, so I'm still going to probably just completely bomb this. So it's Kazakhstan. That's it. You got it. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's I'll practice like 10 times. <laughs> um, okay. So I thought that was part of Russia and it's not. So will you just explain to everybody a little bit about that and why that could be confusing? Okay. So Kazakhstan, when we first heard of Kazakhstan, I Googled it right away because the stand part uh, had led me to think that it was in the Middle East. It was just so foreign to me to be somewhere so so far (laughs) so anywhere would have been far so kazakhstan's actually underneath russia and they were part of the soviet union so they speak russian primarily and kazakh as the secondary now so it's literally right underneath and the capital when we were there in 2017 was astana or astana as some other people uh, pronounce it and now it's a totally different name so uh it's not russia uh, just right underneath there, but it was definitely a place that we had no idea. And my brother had made fun of, had made fun of me at first because he had mentioned that Borat was from Kazakhstan, <laughs> and you know he would, print, you know, would say very nice, and you know would do all those things as well. So that was really fun to endure for a, a whole year. <laughs> as soon as I told everybody where I was going, uh, they all made fun of that point, but. And this is in the KHL, right? This is in the KHL. It's one of their satellite teams. So they're able to have as many uh, foreign players. There's no limit like where the Russian teams do have a limit of six imports. Okay. So did you guys sign in the summertime before the, that season? Or did you, like, where were you guys playing before that? So Matt was playing in Stockton at that time. Uh, he was, that was the Calgary's farm not farm team AHL team okay and he had a two-way and then that last year he was debating whether he wanted to still grind it out or if he was ready to go overseas because he had 
previous offers. So he had mentioned KHL and we actually signed late. We signed really, really late because we weren't sure what was going to happen. And we were trying to buy a house and we're trying to figure it all out. So originally he got signed to China, the the Red Star. His knee had blown out. They released him. And then we got picked up by Kazakhstan. So that was originally where we were supposed to go. We were supposed to go to China for that first year. And then it like literally we were ready to go. And then we got the phone call next day that he was released. Oh my gosh. Um, You were literally leaving the next day? We were literally thinking we're buying our flights the next day. And then they released him. So that was, uh, at first that was really scary because we saw how easily we were able to lose a job so (laughs) that scared the crap out of me to be honest Mm -hmm. and then we got picked up by Kazakhstan and there was a no trade clause so that was really reassuring so we went there and and the community there as I said was just unbelievable from the girls to the people at the school that Daphne attended to to it was just phenomenal like I couldn't have asked for a better first year ever so oftentimes I mean we've only been overseas the past two seasons and I've always posted in like the expat group hey guys we're going here can anyone give me any information that kind of thing were you able to do that with this team did you have any information how are you feeling when you found out you were going to go there So when we found out we were going to go there, again, I was really lost in where it was in the map of the world. So I'd done my research and looked at some things and just to see if it was safe or not. So aside from my information online, I didn't have a Facebook group because I didn't have Facebook. But I know that there was a group out there that, you know, if anybody was overseas, they would kind of go into this community. I didn't have that, but I did have uh, a another couple that was playing on the team we had played with them for like a couple years Matt had played with them Lyndon Ray and Casey and so I reached out to them and then it was a whole like new network of girls and we're all just communicating so everyone that was there from the past had reached out we reached out to them and they had reassured us what we needed what we need to bring it was more personal because as soon as we were on the team they added us to the group the expat group. And that was really nice because, you know, we need girls like that to immediately reach out because we don't know if it's their first year or if they're veterans at this, right? Like we Mm -hmm. need a lot of veterans coming into the group uh, to help out the new girls come in. So that was really helpful because I had Cassie Dawes that actually was, um, she, she definitely helped me a lot with the things that I needed to bring and what to expect coming to Kazakhstan. Yeah. And like you said, it's so foreign. So that's so nice to be able to have that group and that community to kind of reassure you because it can be scary not knowing where the Mm -hmm. heck you're going. And especially if you just went in totally blind and had no idea who else is going to be there, you know, that's Mm -hmm. just, it's so nice to be able to have these resources. Oh yeah. And it's all about networking. You know, it, it would be nice to have more groups and more community. So I'm really happy that you're doing this podcast. Oh, thank you so much. And yeah, I'm so excited. I just think it's an additional resource that people can have to feel connected. Because I think, you know, like, are you part of the Facebook group? 
I don't have Facebook. Oh, you still you're still going strong with the no Facebook. Okay. I, I we made a pack. Matt and I made a pack. We were just trying to get off. <laughs> well, good for you. I need to like delete some of my social media because I feel like that's what I'm doing all day. But um, I'm sure you've heard of it, but it's like the private Facebook group. And so, you know, people are posting in it all yeah. of the time. And so I just wanted to take it one step further and just have like a platform where people like you can come on and share stories so that people can get a little bit more understanding of different places and different situations because you know so many of us have gone through such similar experiences so I think it's so interesting and I think even when you meet other expats they have their own story so the hockey community is a very special one and then there's just an extra added stuff on the side if you get to meet more expats while you're overseas Mm-hmm. So when you talked to the network of girls that were going to be going over there with you, did that help you feel a little bit more reassured that you were bringing your daughter with you and like the school system and everything? Or were you still kind of looking into what that was going to be like? No, as soon as I talked to, and I literally talked to almost all of the girls from that past year, I made sure of it. I got I gathered information about the school, reached out to the school reached out to moms that had kids the same age as my daughter, Daphne, just to make sure that like, once I got there, things would be, I wouldn't be sh- like shocked. And I thank God for Google Translate, because <laughs> if I didn't have Google Translate, there was no one that really spoke English. So getting in there, even going to the grocery store, and I'm looking at things like it's completely new. Um, just little things like that helped out so much. We got there. We got to meet some new friends for her immediately. She got adjusted to school immediately. Since it was a, a, like an American-based school, everyone that went there had a foreign passport. So everybody was from different countries that spoke English, but they were all in the same boat. They were all foreigners. So that was so nice to, to already go into that knowing that. And it helped me to tell my daughter that, you know what I mean? It gave me all the reassurances. So yeah, it was, it was great. I, as soon as I knew all of that, I came down, I knew what to expect. And it wasn't a shock as much as it would have been if I had talked to nobody. Because what, you know, once they go to practice, you sit in, in the, in the place, wherever you're staying, a condo, apartment, a base, whatever, um, you're alone. So you have your phone to connect to only the girls or whoever's number you have there, right? Or your resources. They have an embassy. So they have the embassies, right? But because they're all there, but the United States embassy is there. The Canadian embassy is there. The British, all of them are all there. They have two private English schools, plus all the other little English schools that they have. But it's more for uh, locals to go. But there's two international private schools. One's a British system, then one's the United States system. Uh, we took the United States system route because they didn't have uniforms. It was more of um, it was more of something Daphne would have been more used to, and the curriculum base, of course. Um, and then we had the university. All the university had teachers, right? And it had kids, and the teachers even had some kids over there. So it was a huge community. Literally, if you didn't want to hang out with some of the hockey community or because you weren't able to hang out with the hockey community you could hang out with different communities there was ladies book clubs there was events that you could take your kids to that other parents would be there it literally it you could branch out as much as you could 
out and about like at the grocery store and stuff like that or did you kind of find your way once you were once you got used to everything once you got used to everything you were definitely you knew what to do it wasn't you knew that their lining up wasn't lining up they were just gonna budge you you knew that you had to be more aggressive going into the grocery store even (laughs) you know what I mean or you knew that uh, there might be one English speaking person so your patience had to be there right Mm-hmm. Um, you knew what brands what would work last time. Um, you have a phone now. You know, there's so many tools out there. Uh, once you got to know people, you start asking them where to go, what to eat, and all those things. So you weren't just stuck in your bubble. You were able to venture out to do all that stuff. It was uh, it was definitely helpful though knowing people. Uh, and this was the time that I went. Now, when you talk to girls that were there seven years ago. They said there was nothing there. And if you talk to people that were there 10 years ago, it was a different place entirely. It wasn't like it is now. So I was very fortunate to come in at that time because of how much it developed. And what year were you there? Like, what was your first year? 2017. Okay. Okay, yeah. So that's pretty, pretty recent. And then... I guess, obviously, in, like, 2010 and before that, I could see how that would be just a totally different realm of life. Oh, yeah. They said it was completely different. Like, it was not at all what you would see there now. The reason at the grocery store, I feel like the majority of the people that work there don't speak English. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's kind of hit or miss, but I have to totally be mentally prepared to go to the grocery store. Like, I have to be not hungry (laughs) first of all so I'm not like cranky and I have more patience and just be like okay I'm going and I have to be patient and I have to know that you know I'm kind of every man for himself in the grocery store because you Mm -hmm. ask for help and it's just can be super frustrating sometimes especially if you're feeling like a little bit lonely there are some times I'll ask them if they speak English they say no in the in the most perfect way you can say no and then we'll walk it walk away and you're like and they don't even like try. And you're just like, okay. I don't get that. I've had that happen to me too. I'm like, hi, do you speak English? Like clearly looking for help. I need help. Yeah. And someone will just be like, no, I don't. And walk away. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. Straight, <laughs> like straight conversational. Like, no, no, I don't. Like, nice try. <laughs> but like walk right away. You would think that when you ask them that it would register in their brain. Like, oh, someone needs English. Someone needs yeah. help. I will go find someone that does speak English. Instead, they'll just be yeah. like, no and then go back to doing whatever you're doing and then you're just left standing there like so awkward okay thanks for the help bye-bye okay (laughs) oh yeah it is it is the most frustrating and I have to remind myself like I'm in their country but yeah it still is so frustrating sometimes I just think that you know when I guess because we're Canadians we have a lot of immigration here so it's not anything if you know if I was working back in the day someone couldn't speak English, I'd try to help them, right? Mm -hmm. Because they clearly need help and I'm the person they need help from. So it's just mind-boggling to me that some people just don't want to do it. But I mean, that's everywhere in the world. It just happens to be that when I actually cannot physically speak to you, so I'm dependent on you right now and you walk away. So that that has uh, bugged me so much. And there's been times in Kazakhstan, like literally we're in Zara, we're shopping. I'm in line, there is a rope there is a line area. I'm in line and someone will swoop in on the side. There was one time while I was pregnant, I was so heated. I literally pushed her stuff from the side. and was like, no, <laughs> like literally like straight to her face. 
no. And she looked at me like, oh my God, you had just like pushed my butt. And she looked beautiful. She was gorgeous. A long blonde, like long, long hair with locks at the bottom, like curls. And I had my hair up in a bun. And I was, you know, I'm wearing yoga pants. I'm like, get out of my way. So pregnant. People are like, savages too. Like just with the oh, shirts yeah. and just like cutting and like, it's you know like in the grocery stores here sometimes if you're like walking up to a line to check out at the store you know and you're walking up at the same time with someone and you make eye contact with them usually the person will be like oh go ahead you know unless you have like five million things and there it's like you make eye contact and it's like have you seen the movie Christmas with the Cranks where they're like trying to get the last ham like it's it's just like they look you look at them and it's like I'm going to beat you to this. And it's like, you have to like switch your mindset to be more of a savage. Otherwise you're just going to be so annoyed the whole time. So then when I come back to the States, I have to remind myself like, okay, this is not how things are here. You have to be like normal again. So. Oh yeah. And so it's the same thing over here. It's, it's, yeah, it's the exact same thing. You're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like the Canadian way, right? I'm so sorry. Would you like to go first? Yeah. And I get over <laughs> there and it's like a little kid zaps right in front of me. And you're like, oh, you're a kid. I can't do anything. Yeah. But, and even know, like full grown adults. And I find it's usually like the older people too that are the rudest. The younger people are almost yeah. always really nice. But it's like the older generation over there, they just like do not have the time of day. <laughs> oh yeah. And we've had that with, we were at the Barry's Arena, and they have face painting on, what, the third floor, I think. So you get your face painted, you wait in line, right? That's like a normal thing that you would do. And all these damn kids and their parents come in front of my daughter. <laughs> She's clearly going to be next. But they literally all rush in in front of her. And I'm like, what are you doing? Stop. Like, you know what I mean? And finally, we had a friend with us that spoke perfect Russian okay she was they've been there for a long time and she finally said something she she was like no like you know you need to stay in line like don't do that and Mm -hmm. a guy in English was like well this is our country this is this is our culture this is what we do oh my gosh that's what he said to us and I was like but you're teaching your kids that and this is like a now it's passed down world (laughs) oh gosh and we're living in a global like it's all global right they want to travel you know it's that just that's not what you do right (laughs) it's definitely different that's all it is and we're not used to it and it takes us a little time to get adjusted once we're there um it only takes us now maybe a week to two weeks to be like oh yeah here we go we got to do it like this right Mm -hmm. when we come back here um we're more like okay can we do that you know should we go in front of (laughs) that like how will this person react yeah so it's definitely different I think like my first time overseas I mean I really didn't know what to expect with that kind of thing and but Mm -hmm. it's funny because like the culture is to just like cut in front of people or like no one says excuse me no one says sorry so I remember my first year going overseas like I really let that get to my head like I it made me miserable (laughs) because I was just so frustrated that because I you know I usually surround myself with people that are really positive and uplifting and like I just that's what I'm used to and so from going from that to like something that was so foreign to me with people acting like that it was just very much culture shock for me but it does make you appreciate when something happens and someone's like oh excuse me or oh I'm so sorry and you're like oh my god like this just made my day that they just said that that's so nice (laughs) 
and you know, I find that the newer generation that is able to to do that, like, do you know what I mean? They're the ones that are, I don't want to say educated because I don't think that's all of it, but I think it's just the new generation that's in the 100%. work field and they see the tourist or they see, or they're kind of just more out there. Um, they kind of adapt to that. So I, I do see it and then I, I don't see it at all. So it's kind of a hit or miss, right? Yeah. And but, sometimes I, my sass comes out and I can't help myself and I'll just kind of say under my breath, oh, excuse you. And my husband's yeah. like, oh. and I'm just like, no, I'm like, I'm sorry, but I'm bothered and I'm going to let them know. Honestly, when I was pregnant, it was like, watch out. I was not letting anybody come near me. Like before I was like, whatever, they're just, whatever, they're doing their thing, whatever, it's their karma, whatever, whatever. And then I was pregnant. I was like raging. I was like, get out of here, get out of my life, <laughs> don't tell my daughter that, don't touch her, don't, you know what I mean, like, right, it was very so. much, like, it was very, very much more aggressive, and I was so sick of it, uh, by the yeah. end of it, I was, like, so sick of it, get me out of here right now, I just want to go home to my, to my house, and stay in there, <laughs> so it was much different the second year when I was pregnant. Yeah, so moving into your pregnancy, I, this is, like, what I'm mm. so freaking curious about, because, like it just sounds like a different planet. So you guys re-signed with the same team and then you went back yes. the following season and you found out you were pregnant um, mm-hmm. and you planned it around that that season. season. Yeah. So we were we were wanting to get pregnant in August or July. So we were trying to have the pregnancy happen around that time. If it didn't happen around that time, we were gonna hold off and wait until the next next time that we thought was a good time because we normally like to come back a little bit earlier we don't usually stay for playoffs as as long just because we want to get Daphne back into transition for school so we're like okay I come back the baby gets how many months in Canadian care and then you come home and the baby's born we wanted it around May or April depending so we planned our pregnancy that way to benefit us in this hockey season and we got pregnant. We got pregnant. I got pregnant. <laughs> he didn't do anything. <laughs> and, then, and then I got a pregnancy test from the store and it's in Russian, of course. So I'm like getting out my Google Translate. It's super awkward that everyone's looking at me and they know I have a pregnancy test in my hand. <laughs> and at this time, we're not married right? We're not married yet. We were going to, we were engaged, but we weren't married yet, but we wanted the kid first. So it was kind of like that balance. Anyways, holding out my hand and some ladies are looking at me really weird. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to buy this and figure it out at home. The pregnancy test is a little bit different. It's not like it says positive or it's like a plus right here where we get them here. And it's just like, it says you're pregnant or literally not pregnant. <laughs> it's like the line. Crystal clear. It's a small, very small little stick. It's very thin. And I messed up one. And I was like, oh, no, I don't think it was supposed to pee in that section. So I was like, okay, good thing I have an extra one. <laughs> and I peed on it, and it said I was pregnant. I was like, okay, am I sure I'm pregnant? Like, this could be faulty, right? Go in, go get another one. It's definitely pregnant. I was like, okay. So the journey begins of being pregnant in a foreign country. I know I'm not too far because I had my first one and I know that this was an early detection because I it was like maybe six weeks when I found out 
oh, I don't know how to get care from any facility because I've never needed facilities to help me with this. So there is an SOS clinic in Kazakhstan. They're around the globe and it's international care. But I know SOS didn't have a pediatrician or somebody for pregnancies. So they were going to have to outsource me to the women's, uh, women's hospital in Kazakhstan or in Astana. The bottom line was a lot of people were at SOS and it was a great clinic, but you paid to be a member there for them to outsource you to another clinic that you had to pay there. So I cut the middleman out. I didn't sign up with SOS and I went straight to the hospital and had the help of the team's translator. She came with me and helped me set up appointments. She helped me understand what I need to do next with that. And their procedures were a little bit different. So you pretty much go to the doctors. They tell you what you need, what you're going to get offered in this contract. You sign the contract and you pay a, like a fee, right? Now, at that time, it wasn't a lot. It literally was like, oh, my God, that is so little. That's so little money for the care that they're trying to provide you, right? So we went on with that. and. Then the doctors, you know, doctor's visits. So they ask you the same typical questions like, have you been pregnant before? How many children do you have? What vitamins are you taking? We're going to do blood work on you. You know, all these things are the same procedure, just different way though. You go into the hospital and you literally sit outside of the door for God knows how long. It's not like your time is at 11 o'clock. You get to go there for an 11 o'clock appointment. It's like you sit out there at 11 o'clock. You might get in there at 12, 11, 15. You might get there at 1. It depends, right? If she wants to take a break, the doctor, it doesn't matter if you're waiting out there for her. She'll get to you. It's just like you're sitting outside the door for that long. Oh my so gosh. I brought snacks with me all the time. <laughs> I didn't know how long any appointment. And sometimes it would be super fast. And sometimes I'd literally be waiting out there for so long just to see this doctor. And people will come up, you know how there's a receptionist and they're like, oh, okay, the doctor will see you. Here's this. It's literally a hallway, doors where you like visit the doctor and women, pregnant women are going in and out knocking on the door, telling the doctor they're there, sitting back down. And that's pretty much how it goes. Now, I didn't speak Russian, right? So I didn't know if somebody had an appointment before me. So people would be sitting there. And they I guess they would say I'm, I only guessed that they were saying who's next because they would ask the group like they're looking the group around. And the lady would like shake her head like I'm next. And then they would point at me she's next <laughs> and then I would raise up my hand like I'm next so how many you know I mean? like, how many pregnant women were sitting there waiting oh my gosh it would be okay so some days as I said would be like maybe one or two depending what time of day maybe the day of week I didn't really see a pattern and then there's some be sometimes where literally the whole the, it would be the wing of pregnancy I'm guessing and it would be pregnant ladies all stages and they would have their papers in their hands so you would always have papers in your hands, I felt. They give you a paper, they give it to you in a book, and they say, okay, bring this in your next appointment. Even the stickers that they put on the forms, you would have to carry. It wouldn't be like there's a file cabinet in the back there with your name and your documentation for your health checkup. It would be like, you bring in your stuff, and then I will look at it. <laughs> so and did, they you, had, did you have to bring that home, or did they give it to I you had, each time? 
no, I brought it home. And if you forgot it, they'd be like, oh, and they have to look in the system and they have to talk to the next doctor. And the doctor calls it. So it would, they would call other doctors on their cell phones, right? And they would message them on their cell phones. And I found that really weird because, you know, here, um, we wouldn't have that, right? Like there's no doctors talking to each other on the phone, like so casually, like if their phone rang, they would pick it up and like talk to that person. Do you know what I mean? In the middle of like yeah. a meeting. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hello, <laughs> I'm in here for so, an appointment and I've been waiting. And you don't know what they're saying. <laughs> so you really don't know what's going on. Oh, and gosh. so you would sit there and you wait for your translator and you look at your translator like, and sometimes I would go without her because it would just be more convenient. I just go in, just deal with the mess. I'd be confident enough to go in alone. You know what I mean? Um, like, I'm pregnant. They're not going to do anything wrong to me. <laughs> and then, you know, or sometimes I'd look at her. I'd be like, what's happening? She's, oh, no, it's nothing about you. It's just another thing. You know? <laughs> it's like, tell me. Like, what's going on? Oh, my goodness. That is so strange. So yeah. how is the healthcare different than what you're used to? Because so you said you weren't married. So did you didn't get any health insurance through the team or anything? No. So we don't have that. It's not like that. Well, from my understanding, it's not like that. Okay. Um, we got, oh, maybe we got it differently in Kazan. Like our health insurance was covered, but it didn't happen like that in Kazakhstan. And that might've been because we weren't pregnant. We weren't married. We definitely had like issues with visas and things like that sort. But um, from my understanding, you paid out of pocket. Okay. So it wasn't enough to be like, oh my gosh, that's so much money. Like we can't do this here. We need to go back home. It wasn't like that, but it was still um, like they would ask you, "Do you have health insurance or all that stuff?" And we obviously say no, pay out of pocket. But the same health would be wouldn't be different, right? Like you just because someone had insurance or it didn't, it didn't matter. You all of us would sign the same contract. It was definitely different, though. Like we had. Do you want to get into the ultrasound story now? <laughs> oh yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> so this is our first ultrasound with Kira. This is my my now one-year-old. Um, so this is our first ultrasound and we were pretty early. It's like seven, eight weeks. We Matt was joking around before we had left about, he's like, oh, do they stick up something up in you and like take a look around? And I'm like, no, <laughs> like, so appalled, like, no. Like they just go around your like uterus on your stomach and like put jelly on it and like take a browse. You know what I mean? Like, no, they don't put anything in you. Anyways. <laughs> Maybe so he was thinking because... of like a, like a transvaginal ultrasound, you oh know? Oh my God. Yeah. Well, he was thinking something totally different. Yeah. <laughs> he must've thought that. No idea. Like, oh my God. Have you been reading something? Like what's going on? Anyways. So we get to the appointment and she's like, okay, the ultrasound. Well, Kira is like, swimming around we can she's moving around so much and we can't get a good shot of some of the shots that they needed so she goes okay <laughs> we need to uh do uh inside <laughs> i was like do inside what <laughs> we put camera inside inside of your uterus and i'm looking at matt like you did this and they start putting on the condom on top of it. And there it goes. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't shave. I didn't shower. I didn't think I needed to shower for this appointment. <laughs> and 
here I am. Matt's like, oh my God, this is exactly what I predicted. So, okay, so whatever, we're doing this. We're seeing my butt insides. It's on the big screen. I'm like, okay, whatever, we need this. And there's Wait, was, did it look like an ultrasound or was it like color? No, no, it was like, no, no, no. It was exactly like how we got here. Same equipment, okay. it looks like. So not, nothing of that sort was weird. Okay. You're... <laughs> We're in this room and there's like a cover. There's like a curtain thing, right? And on the other side of the curtain, there's two workers there just typing, talking, typing, talking. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, they're her technicians, right? Whatever, not a big deal. All of a sudden, in the middle of this beautiful moment, the cleaning lady walks in, puts her hand over her head, like she doesn't want to see, and gets the garbage out in the middle of this and she's <laughs> laughing and I'm laughing Matt's laughing and now the technician's laughing because we're laughing that this lady this random lady had to get the garbage out at this time this pivotal moment when my vagina was out the camera was stuck inside <laughs> this baby is on the screen and I'm like mortified I was like oh my god because here in Canada when you get an ultrasound the door is closed. There's one other person, just you and the technician, and it's private. It's dark. It's not, it's, there's lights on. The window had no curtain. And like, uh, here I am with three other people. And now this garbage lady in the middle of me having my appointment comes in, throws, takes out the trash. I swear. I was like starting to laugh so much. I was like, I can't believe that that had just happened. That is not private at all. Not so, at all. No, so, so that had happened. Did more, because you said, like, <laughs> random people, you know, were coming in and out of the room. W were there, like, yeah. other kinds of people that would do that besides the cleaning lady? No, they were, they had that curtain up for a reason, because there would be people knocking on the door, coming in, talking to the doctor in the middle of our technician. Like, other or patients? The, other patients. They would knock on the door, walk in, talk, say something, and then come back out. Uh, so, like... <sighs> Again, you don't speak the language. There's, you have no idea, no concept. You, and especially because I had my first daughter here in Canada, in Ontario, the care is different, right? Like there's, it's so private here with your care. It's, it's much more individualized. There it's like, okay, it's a revolving door, right? The next person's coming in. The next person's coming in. There's, you know, you don't have the luxury of like you going to your doctor's house office and they pull out a, a script that's like you go to this hospital and here is what you need to do you get into a line you wait in that line you get inside there's people in and out of that door I mean if you got it on a quiet day it would work I didn't get it on a quiet day there was like five people in my ultrasound my first ultrasound <laughs> thank god you had a baby before because I feel like that was probably obviously still really weird and scary and frightening that people are just walking in and out and stuff. I mean, I like that you're able to find humor in the situation, but could you imagine if that was your first child? No, I honestly I, couldn't I would imagine. be like freaking out. I would, I think I would be so mad. I'd be like, we gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what it was. It was because, and especially if it was your first year, your first year, you're pregnant. You have no idea what anybody's saying. And yeah, I could see it being a very like traumatizing, even traumatizing, depending on who you are, experience. Yeah. 
but it wasn't for me at that time. I already had my daughter. I, everyone has seen that, you know what I mean? So um, I think what it was, he was just like, that would never happen here. So <laughs> no. that was for sure something that we knew that though. Matt, when Matt and I looked at each other, we knew that wouldn't happen anywhere else. It was a Kazakhstan thing. And that's what we kind of referred to it as. It's like, um, it was just, it was a nothing thing for them, right? <laughs> they yeah. laughed. They're uh-huh. laughing at you too. <laughs> so strange so vulnerable so yeah and pa- it's not like pap smears or ultrasounds are something that are super comfortable in the first place I mean especially no. if it's like a vaginal ultrasound like you're yeah literally sitting there and someone's sticking something up you that's not yeah comfortable and you don't want people no. seeing that <laughs> no you don't I don't even anyone. want the doctor to see it <laughs> again there was no shower taking place <laughs> before this appointment and no shaving so oh, I'm sure they've seen was, worse. <laughs> I know, but it was still like the fact of, oh my God, no. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, you have to do that now and you have to do it. It's for you and your baby and like, you have to do the appointment. You don't want to come back and do it because of those things. They're silly things, but you still don't want to do it. Right. So that was that. And then, you know, I've had a pap and again, it's just a curtain. It's literally just a curtain. And people can walk into the door. They don't lock the door. They're not like, this is a private. There's people coming in. And I think my last pap, I had two or three people in that room and a curtain there to separate <laughs> us. Again, it was just like, by that time, I was like, whatever. Like, you're never going to see me again. <laughs> True. Like, let's just do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is that seriously time, so bizarre. That time, though, I seriously did shower and made sure that I was okay <laughs> before yeah. any of it. Because I was like, just to be sure every doctor's appointment, I'm going to shower. Because I don't know what they will do. So did you have the same doctor throughout your whole pregnancy? Or did it just switch around? So in Kazakhstan, I had a doctor there. And it switched around once I got into Canada. Um, I had a midwife here, actually. So I was able to see her at a certain point, which I was by the time I returned. It was in my 20s. I was 21 or 22 weeks pregnant. And that was the time I could see a midwife. So it worked out perfectly. But in Kazakhstan, I had one female doctor. They're all females there. Um, And she was good, but she wasn't great. So I had her phone number in my phone and they told me to program it to reach my doctor if I had any, any concerns. Well, I, I reached out to her. <laughs> I never got a reply back and she spoke English. So that's why I had chosen her because then at least I could get some without the translator, it would be easier to translate by myself with her. Mm-hmm. And so on, she had told me to come in for an appointment on a Thursday. I'd come in on that Thursday and she wasn't there. She doesn't work on Thursdays. But she said that that Thursday, she'd come in to come see some of her patients. Well, it never worked out. So I had situations like that with her, whereas I don't know if it was a language barrier or it's literally like she just didn't come because whatever. So there was a couple times where a doctor, one doctor came up to me and she's like, your doctor's not very good. You should switch her. <laughs> That's what she said to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, but you were a doctor in the same facility as her and you work with her. But she told me that that doctor wasn't good for me. I should switch the doctor. <laughs> so there was little incident like that. And like, 
the another one was uh, I was waiting for her for some results or something and I was sitting in a chair my translator was on the other side of me and I had just finished taking blood she was going to come in afterwards to talk to me so I'm waiting there everything is done and I was crossing my legs and I was sitting there this doctor comes up to me and she says something in Russian and smacks me on my leg and moves <sighs> them apart. And I'm what? like, and I don't understand what you say. And I'm like, and I look at my translator, like, what happened? And she says, you shouldn't crush, you shouldn't, you shouldn't cross your legs. It will squish the baby. The baby was seven weeks at this time. <laughs> seven <laughs> weeks. <laughs> Wait, what? Like, Is that even true if the baby's like seven months? Okay. Seven weeks. No, I know, but with the same, like, I've never heard of that in my life. No. So I got smacked. And you know what? It wasn't even my doctor. It was somebody else's doctor. She was just passing through. And she smacked me on the leg, pulled my legs apart, and said, you are squishing the baby. Don't sit like that. In Russian. And I had no idea what she had said to me. So this doctor just smacked me and just spoke a foreign language to me. And I was there like starstruck. Like, what? She left the room. And I started bursting out into laughter. All of us did. Because it was the most foreign thing that I've ever seen a doctor do to me. Was smack me. Let alone not even my doctor. <laughs> it was another doctor that did this to me. That's not even foreign. That's just like not even ethical. <laughs> yeah. So that was another thing that I was like, oh my gosh. And I came home and I was like, yeah, I got smacked today. Like, <laughs> he's like, what? I was like, I got smacked my doctor she said I was squishing my baby (laughs) so my lord I feel like if he was there he probably would have had a different response I don't know see we would have found it funny I think too again because I don't know I actually don't know how he would have responded he might have been like don't touch her you know what I mean yeah but again like we're kind of we were kind of open to things knowing that it wasn't going to be the same so yeah. that was just a clear-cut sign. You know, the whole ultrasound, the paps, they were just different. They were, weren't the same. If I wanted to see another doctor for initial, another specialty, I'd have to go across the hall into another hallway. And again, I sat there one time for 45 minutes while the doctor was looking for another doctor. But <laughs> she made me stay there. It wasn't like, hey, let's get you an appointment. Let's get it all set up. It was like, no, you stay. Sit. And that's how they said to me sit and then they would point to the, the chair sit <laughs> like, okay so I sit down <laughs> and, then, and then sometimes I go into the washroom and well guess what they didn't have toilet paper they for some reason would either bring it they brought it in with them right so like I would get tests done I have to go to the washroom like oh I need to go to the toilet and that's what you say toilet and they go okay and they pull out a couple napkins and then give it to you. Oh <laughs> and then you're like, oh, you have no toilet paper in that there. That sounds so they, frugal. This, yes. And so I was like, oh my God, thank God it's only a number one because these two little <laughs> tissue papers would not do me justice if it was anything else. So there were things like that where you're kind of like, okay, this is different. Or sometimes you would just be so annoyed. You're like, oh my gosh, you're just wasting my time going there. You know what I mean? Like, there was no point in going there. And it's not like you get into your car, drive to that facility. It's like, essentially, in Kazakhstan, we have drivers. 
So we hire drivers for us for the season. So you call your driver, you message your driver, they come pick you up, they drop you off. You have to message them before you leave so they can come around and get, come and get you, right? So it wasn't an easy process. You get into your car, drive yourself, park, get out. It wasn't like that. It was like a whole ordeal, like a whole thing where you had to do in the morning or in the afternoon. You had to set up a time and you have to watch out for traffic. If the driver had something else planned or if Matt had something else planned, um, it was like a whole thing. So if the appointment didn't go right, it was a, literally a waste of your time. That would drive me crazy if I didn't have a car. Yeah. And, and okay, not to say that none of the players didn't. Some players did. But the players that did were there longer. They were there like seasons before or years before, right? So they were a little bit more comfortable you know, this is our second year there. And I definitely wasn't comfortable driving at that point. Uh, is it pretty crazy? Yeah, well, the driving in Russia and Kazakhstan is a little different. In Kazakhstan, they are a little bit, they're aggressive. Same with Russians driving as well. I find <laughs> a lot of places have aggressive driving, but in Kazakhstan, they do a little, like when they say thank you, they don't wave at you. They put on their emergency signals. So little things like that or they're just, it, you know, you need a driver. I couldn't drive there by myself the first year or the second year. Yeah. Yeah. And I it's guess not, that makes it's sense. not crazy expensive. It's not crazy expensive either. It's just, um, it was just something you do, right? Like the girls there have drivers. So what if you had to go to the grocery store? Do you have to hire the driver? If you wanted to go a certain grocery store, so in in, in Kazakhstan, a lot of the people live in Highville, and it's it's the Highville that has already a lot of administrative like it's stores and stuff. So they have like the grocery store, hair salons. They have a lot of restaurants. They have some play stuff for children. It's like a community there. So a lot of players stay there, and that's when we return. That's where we'll be going as well. Uh, so you can walk to the grocery store, but if you wanted to go to a grocery store that had more variety or more, maybe more imported selection, then yeah, you would have to go to the store with your driver. Like he would, you would go there, get your groceries. He'd help you bring them out. And then that was pretty much it. You wanted to go to the mall. You would have to get your driver to come get you. You wanted to go a game, you know, your driver, but they have Uber and all that stuff there too. And it's super, super cheap. It's not expensive. Expensive. Well, that's that's surprising that they have Uber. I don't even think we have Uber in Graz. No, and that's the second biggest city in Austria. So that's interesting. Yeah, so they have Uber there, and I think they have no. That's Russia. That that other taxi company. But yeah, they have Uber there, and it was reliable. It was safe. It was fine. I mean, they have Gypsy. <laughs> if you want to do a Gypsy cab ride, you can do that. That's where you just. <laughs> literally hop in the car with anybody and pay them and they drive you to your place and that's yeah. okay a lot of people do that and you'll see on the side of the road well they'll they'll hold out their arm yeah <laughs> I feel like I probably would rather take an uber and then at least you can enter in where you're going instead of trying to yes. make sure that people understand what you're saying <laughs> and safety issues too right like you want to exactly. make sure that's all recorded <laughs> yeah right, so did you guys get breaks and stuff over there where you were able to go and travel yeah, we did. So we went to our first year, we got a break. The second year, we didn't. The first year, we went to Dubai. And that was quite fun. <laughs> we actually stayed in the 
not in the palm, just outside of there. And we stayed on a very private beach where I found it was more private than the other places. There were a lot of touristy areas. So that was super, super fun. And then we got to go to Dubai actually this year as well with the Kazan team, uh, Icky Bars, as a team though. Whereas the other place we went as a team, but everyone spread it out. This time we went actually as a cool group into one resort. So if you've ever been to Dubai, it's super hot, super nice. It's very touristy, um, but it's definitely a great escape when you're that close to where it is. It was only five hours away from us. So that was like a hot destination. That or Turkey, I found a lot of people went to for vacations. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was exactly what we needed at that time because it was such a nice break. We got there. Everyone spoke English. <laughs> the signs are English. So it was mm-hmm. a nice like breath of fresh air. We were like, okay, there's some familiarities. Um, and we got to stay there for maybe, I think it was only five. It was five days. And then the last time was a little bit longer. And would you fly? Yeah, we would fly. Yes. Yeah. So again, it was only five hours. It wasn't long at all. And so your husband is still playing, right? He is. We're going back to Kazakhstan. Oh, you are. Okay. So So we just got signed back to Kazakhstan uh, yesterday. Oh my gosh. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Were you guys there? So you weren't there last year? No. And where were you last year? in Kazan in Russia and it is a small um it's a small city it's a great city though it had a lot of great places to eat it wasn't overbearing like Moscow or St. Petersburg it's had a lot of it had some history behind it as well um they spoke Russian and Tatar and the school that Daphne went to was a little was it was an English school but it was 95 percent Russians so it was a little bit different. The community for expats was a little bit smaller than Kazakhstan than when we were used to or Astana at that time. Uh, so it was definitely a change. And we didn't stay in a community apartment area. We stayed on their base. So they had a base where the players could stay at. And it was literally apartments for the junior team and people that lived within that AK Bars hockey community. So we had a few Swedish girls. A Canadian girl and um and yeah so it was just a couple like literally four of us as foreigners going in there it was, how was your time there did you have a preference of which place you liked better so I really liked Kazan and I loved I loved AK Bar's hockey community and their organization they were a really good team to play for they did a lot of family things they did a lot of things um for the players that I thought was really nice to see for an organization to do so I thought that was a good team um the living situation wasn't bad it, they had a cafeteria there they had a swimming pool they had like a park area but it really felt enclosed to me personally you mean you felt it like felt trapped? Enclosed. yeah it felt really like the apartment is furnished to some extent but like the walls were cork. They were what? <laughs> the, the cork, like, you know, from a bottle, from like a wine bottle, there's corks. <laughs> no way. Like that was the wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, everything was outdated, of course. And <laughs> I can't even, let's, every wall was like that. I, if I have a photo, I will send it to you because it was a cork wall. 
actually it's in my photos my daughters are behind it for their halloween it's cork <laughs> like it's literally cork so when i release this was, episode i'll just post a picture of your cork wall <laughs> yeah just be like that's the cork wall and like the felt it was really brown and there was constant people going in and out and like service workers and people that live there and you know there was other wives and other girlfriends there they were russian so if they didn't speak english you weren't really like talking to them right like it was just that's just how it was but when we did see the ones that spoke english we'd say hi to each other we'd greet each other there was a playroom in the facility so a lot of our kids went there to play but other than that like you didn't have to leave the base we didn't have to go out and venture out it was like all kind of there for you and you could make things come to you so that was kind of you can get really trapped in there I felt that's personally how I felt and that's why I you know, if I return there, it'd be tempting not to not go there, right? It would be, I would want to live outside of that. But it was a great, it was a great thing for first years, I think. You know what yeah. I mean? Or people that were okay being home all the time. Like I wasn't used to that. You know, I wasn't used to not going down the steps and not seeing things we can easily get to. Everything was kind of far. We always have to drive somewhere. It, to the grocery store, you could walk, but it was if you have kids and it was freezing, you weren't going to walk to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, that wasn't a thing. You'd have to bring the nanny over. Yeah. And I can't imagine how you would not feel that way. You know, it's like how, if you're trapped kind of on this base, it's like, how do you not feel isolated? You know, it's like, you can't leave, you can't go anywhere. And then it probably starts to kind of build up in your head. At first it, at first it was, I felt good because we felt safe. You know, it's a new place. You feel safe. But then once the winter started hitting and, you know, some places in Russia, you don't see as much sun. And I felt in the winter in Kazan, you didn't see a lot of sun. So it was, that's what you felt. Like you were in this place that had cork walls (laughs) and (laughs) there was no sun. And if you didn't leave the space, you didn't have to. There was food downstairs. You could play downstairs. You can go out for a walk. They had like a nice, beautiful garden area. But again, it wasn't like you had a place where you can go down the steps and walk to a restaurant if you wanted to. Yeah. Or go to the grocery store and walking distance or anything like that. It wasn't like that. It felt like every time you wanted to go, you had to get into a car. Although in Kazan, I did drive on my own occasionally. So I would bring myself to the store or I would do an errand by myself in the car if I was able to alone uh, I wouldn't really want the kids in the car with me just in case um, mm-hmm. but otherwise I was more comfortable driving there because it was a small city does this make you appreciate kind of going back to where you were the year before then I it is so I love Kazakhstan and Astana and I love the community the only thing that was a downfall and we still to this day will know that it's pollution The pollution Mm. is really bad in some of the areas and especially because there's a lot of obviously uh, less fortunate people that aren't able to afford heat. They burn anything and everything. So that goes into the air and you can smell it at night sometimes plastic. Yeah. And sometimes we'd see little specks in the, like, it looked like snow, but it's specks of, of like fire, like something being burnt. Oh Lord. So you probably can't sleep with your windows open or anything like that. 
the first year we didn't notice it. It was the second year that we can smell it seeping into our apartment. We had to get air purifiers. Yeah, we love the community. We do every like everything else except for that damn pollution. And like we had a couple girls this year that I still kept in touch with. They left because of the pollution. Because they were really? so bad. So I'm not looking forward to that and I hope it gets better. Um and it could be where they were located and where the wind hit. I'm not sure because our first year, we didn't notice it. But in the day, we never noticed it. Whereas well, the year the year after, in 2018, we definitely noticed it. So we knew what people were talking about when they were leaving this last season because of it. Do you, are you feeling good about bringing your daughter back there now? I think she's She's one, right? Wasn't her birthday yesterday? She's one yesterday. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so are you yes, I'm, feeling good about that, about her going back? Yes. I'm excited for her to come back into the season in general to hopefully we can see some more games uh, this year than last year was kind of harder. She was so much younger, but yeah, I'm excited for her to see it because that's where I was pregnant with her. And you know, that's where our relationship went further their first year in 2017. So there's a lot of memories in that place itself. So I would love for her to kind of at least be in there for us to remember it because I know she won't remember it. But, and I know my daughter's really excited too. My other daughter, Daphne, because, you know, her friends are still there. Aww, a lot of them are good. still there uh, doing schooling or their parents are still under contract with embassy or wherever, the oil refinery. So it is very exciting for all of us to go back. We think it's going to be a good year and we're very excited. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I'm happy for you. And that's definitely nice to have a contract during this insane time. So I'm sure that's just a relief and kind of (laughs) relax and enjoy the rest of the summer to the best of capacity right now. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So uh, we would have gone back to Kazan. It just didn't work out. So uh, I'm really happy that we're going back to Kazakhstan. We actually don't have a lot of options based on school-wise to be honest. We only look in places that have school for Daphne. Yeah, well, that's definitely a priority, I feel like, especially with her being a little bit older, you know, that's, and really being aware of just, like, social situations and all of that. It's important to be able to have people that are similar to her. It's also, homeschooling is awful, and I think the moms that will be listening to this will know that it's awful. (laughs) I can't do it, and she can't do it either. Yeah, (laughs) she's like, you're not my teacher. I don't have to listen to you. (laughs) That's right. She's exactly like that. (laughs) I was wanting to, before I let you go, wanted to share the IUD thing that happened in Russia. Oh, yeah. So, Kira was... Half pregnancy was in Kazakhstan, went back into Canada, gave birth in Canada, and then we got signed on into Kazan. So we went to Kazan, but before we left, I did the IUD just to obviously make sure that we don't get pregnant again. And we got to Kazan and it was everything was fine up until six months of being there. All of a sudden, obviously things had changed in my body and I knew something was wrong. I was getting pain in like my bladder and stomach area so we go to the doctor they do an x-ray and they discover that obviously that um my iud is not where it's supposed to be it's not in my uterus it's up in the between my bladder and my stomach and it's causing pain and it could rupture (gasps) so i'm obviously mortified because 
there was a little bit of a thing of whether or not it was in before I left in Can before I left in Canada. We went into an ultrasound. They said it's not in my uterus. It probably, you know, came out. I said, okay, well, I guess I don't have an IUD. So in Kazan, I thought I had no IUD in my body. So it was news to me to hear that in my x-ray that my IUD actually had migrated up there. So I called my Canadian doctor to tell them, and they said, you need to get removed immediately because if you go back on a plane and anything was to happen, a blood clot, it could rupture and you could be in more pain and things could have complications, yada, yada. They went on and pretty much said, you need to get it out. So I went into the doctors into Kazan and they had a brand new facility and they were able to accommodate me for surgery. Before the surgery had happened, they had given me a CT scan, an x-ray because an x-ray can only show you so much and they need to know where exactly it was in my body. So they did a CT scan. They found it. And they have to do a procedure where, you know, they pretty much like stick three little sticks up near your stomach mm -hmm. and pull it out. And they put up a camera. Anyways, so once that had happened, we got into surgery. I had to be, I was out for maybe two days and in the facility. And I was bawling, I think at one point, because, you know, I'd never left my, my daughters, you know, by themselves. And it wasn't by themselves. Matt was off. And it was just a miracle that this happened because Matt had four days off. So Matt was able to be there with them while I was getting the surgery. And that was reassuring, but it was also very scary. Um, I got out fairly quickly and I wanted to be out quickly and everything went fine. And thank God for, uh, for everybody that was there to help me because Honestly, it was traumatizing at that time that yeah. I had to do this procedure outside of Canada or North America, I even want to say. I don't think I would have felt this way if I was in America. I think it was just more because like, I didn't understand what they were saying. Um, I wasn't sure if their procedures were the same. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So well, Andrew in Russia, it's like, <laughs> that's <laughs> just, everything's so different. <laughs> And it, and it was, but it wasn't. So again, I, I haven't had a lot of surgeries in Canada, so I couldn't have too much to compare it to, but it was again, still the language barrier. A lot of the doctors spoke English. So that was nice. They came around, they spoke to me in English. I felt okay. Um, you know, I needed a lot of pain meds at one point. <laughs> so trying oh, to sure. tell them that I need pain, I need medicine for my pain. You know, they like take a needle and put it on my butt cheek and just me. I was like, oh, great. This is awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you're trying to explain to them that you have these side effects and they're saying, this is very normal. But you're like, is it normal? You know, you're kind of doubting them, but they're the professionals, but they're just yeah. in a different country and a different mm -hmm. language barrier. And exactly. It's different. So, I mean, other than that, uh, that was traumatizing. Uh, that one for sure. It wasn't like in Kazakhstan when I had those little pregnancy hiccups. It was more of like, oh my God, I've heard about these stories of IUDs being migrated in your body. And I've seen them posted and I've seen like experts being like, make sure you know where it is in your body. But uh, I never thought it, would, it was going to happen to me, let alone while we were overseas. Yeah. And, and, and I so, think the language barrier definitely has something to do with that fear because like you said, it's just 
hard to communicate. So you don't exactly know like what's going on and what exactly they're doing. Cause I think, you know, when you're in your home country, you can understand and they kind of like walk you through what they're doing exactly. Like if you're at an appointment and so not having that clarity is causes fear. (laughs) Oh yes. And like you would, you're, you're also, again, you sign a contract saying you're getting healthcare or whatever, and you don't know what it says on there. So you don't know what you're liable for. So you're just signing because you need to do it. So again, those things are very scary at that time, especially because you don't know what's going to happen next. I'm glad that you're able to make light in all of these crazy situations. And yeah, it just sounds like you handle it a lot better than most people would. (laughs) I think now I handle it better than I have before. I mean, before they were just funny moments. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much, girl, for sharing all your stories. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. See you next week.